you know, making sure that our community, when they saw something or read a blog or whatever it was, even used the tool, it would scream at them. It wasn't subtle. It was very unapologetic. This was made for you by people like you. Welcome back to the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. We recently hosted our sixth annual Women on the Move Leadership Day at JPMorgan Chase, and I'm happy to share exclusive content from our event. Today, you'll hear from Beatrice Acevedo, founder of Sumo Wealth, a company blending financial education with pop culture to make it fun and accessible. Alice Rodriguez, head of community impact for JPMorgan Chase, moderates this conversation on building wealth and breaking down barriers. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for being here with us today. My name is Alice Rodriguez and I am head of Community Impact. And I am thrilled to be here with a dear friend of mine, Beatriz Acevedo, who is the co-founder and CEO of Suma Well. Beatriz, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Alice. Always great to see you. Awesome. Beatriz, you have referred yourself as a border girl. You know, having grown up on the border myself, I understand what that means, but it'd be great if you just started there, you know, just what it was like growing up, both being, you know, one foot in Mexico, one foot in the United States, you know, how did that really uh, impact you overall? Yes, well, I am a very proud border girl and immigrant entrepreneur, and I always say I'm an immigrant entrepreneur by default because my father was a very proud Mexicano who lived in San Diego with my mother when she was pregnant. But when my mom went into labor, he decided to rush her to the other side of the border, which is something very few people do. So I could be born in Mexico and one day have the privilege to be president of my country. I don't know why he didn't think the U.S. could be my country and I could be president here. But anyway, they say you only need one person in life that fully believes in you to make it in life. And that certainly was my dad. But certainly being born in the border made me who I am today, you know, having one foot, as you know, Alice yourself, one foot in one country and another one in another really shapes you and as a hybrid of the best of both cultures. So I grew up being incredibly proud of my Latino and my Mexican heritage, but also growing up with all the American pop culture influence that I had from the US. So I am incredibly grateful to have had those two experiences simultaneously because I lived in Mexico and I went to school in San Diego. So my my day was bicultural, binational every single day of my young life. So I use that today a lot in the work that I do and that I've done. So many great points in everything that you just said, Beatriz. So Beatriz, you're a founder, you're a mobilizer, you're a board member, you're very active in the community. Why don't you share with us just what motivated you to start this company? I've been always been motivated. And again, I think it goes back to how you're raised and, and your family. My, my family is incredibly philanthropic. My dad is the classic Latino man who came from absolutely nothing. And he had to really work hard to get through college and become an attorney cleaning buildings, playing billiards, boxing, writing speeches, you know, anything. He has the true Latino hustler. And he worked very, very hard to give my brother and I a very different life. So from a very early age, we were always doing a lot of social work. My dad had a foundation since 30 years ago, and every cent he made in his career he put it back into the foundation for educational opportunities for our community. So, you know, that's what I grew up seeing, that you always have 
something to give. There's somebody always in need of something that you have. And it doesn't need to be money, right? It, it could be listening to something, being there for someone, doesn't matter. So that was my upbringing. And I've always felt incredibly privileged and blessed of the life that I got to live uh, along with my brother because of my dad's and, and my mom's very, very hard work. From a very early age, we were taught to, to give back. And I've always felt like I am one of those Latinas outliers that was able to have opportunities from a young age. Doesn't mean I didn't work hard for them, but we know in our community, there's so many deserving Latinos and Latinas that work so hard and are still not giving the opportunities, whether it's capital, whether it's boards, whether it's advancement on a job, it doesn't matter. So for me, being that outlier, I want to spend as much time as I possibly can every day opening as many doors as I possibly can for my community and particularly for Latinas. I have a very soft spot for Latinas in my heart because they're just incredibly, as you know, incredibly hardworking, launching more companies than anybody, but yet with the least amount of capital, the least amount of resources at the very bottom of the pay gap. So I feel like Latinas will succeed no matter what, but what if, you know, what if we help them accelerate that success that they deserve? And I want to be able to do that in any work that I do. Obviously, the new startup that I'm leading now, Suma Wealth, has the mission and vision to help close the Latino wealth gap that we know we are still very, very far from real equity, but it can be done. We are a cohort that is incredibly talented, resilient, hardworking, and we just need that push and those resources and that information and those tools, and I know we can get it done. So if I can see that change in my lifetime, I will feel like I, I had a good life. <laughs> So Beatriz, as a Latina who has uh, three daughters herself, you know, everything you just said is just so inspiring to me. And let's just go there. Let's go to Suma Wealth. You know, you, you started Suma Wealth, as you just mentioned. But why? Why was this so important to you? I started Suma in the middle of a pandemic, right? So people said, how can you start a company in the middle of a pandemic, an economic downturn? There's so much uncertainty at this point. And I think that was the right time to really do it. Why I started it is by looking at the numbers. And my co-founder, Javier Gutierrez, who, who you know well, too, kept sending me all these articles showing me, you know, how Latinos were not just only being hit the hardest when it came to deaths, unfortunately, but also in their finances, how we had the least amount of emergency savings, how we were not equipped for something like this to happen in our families. And the more that I that I thought about that and the more that I spoke to him about it, you know, I'm an enthusiast of so many areas, right? Capital to Latinos, representation in Hollywood, because I think that shapes perception of who people think we are and how big we also think we could become or how big we could dream. But thinking about what did I really wanted to do next in my career, I thought if I could really help in any way or form, make financial education accessible, pop culture, easy to understand, community driven, and to make feel our community that they belong in the money conversation, that felt like the right thing to do at the exact right time. In Yes, in the middle of a pandemic and an economic downturn. There was no other time to do this. As you know, with so much data, we are the demo that spends the most 
but saves the least or and also invests the least. So we need to change that. We need to change those conversations or start having those conversations that we didn't grow up having in the kitchen table, right? In our sobremesas, we talk about yeah. so many other things except financial education or economic prosperity. We just don't. It's just like a taboo topic that, that we don't speak about. So this was, after giving it a lot of thought, the right time, the right moment, and the right place where I wanted to put in, you know, whatever I've learned in my in my career, much more as a marketer in building community, building scale, building brands that really tell Latinos you belong here. And I felt that there wasn't really a brand for our youth that was doing that at the moment. I think that when we think about targeting our community, people immediately go to language. It's either, okay, this is for Latinos, we're gonna translate it all. And that works for a certain demographic, which tends to be older, immigrant, but not for the young kids who are the majority now. If you think about under 35, 80% of them are born in the US, right? So this growth is coming from nativity and not from immigration. And these are US born kids who are English dominant, consume the content in English, but they're still untrustworthy of certain financial institutions because they just don't know. They want to learn more. They want to have that trust. And I thought now is a really incredible opportunity to build a brand and a community that really speaks to them in culture more than in language. And knowing that they are such incredible influencers in their families and in their communities, because we all know, right? All our youth has had to really help navigate the American ethos to their family members, literally and figuratively, sometimes literally translating and some other times just informing them on purchases, on services, on how things work in the U.S. So through them, we feel that we can really cater to all Latinos, really super serve the younger demo that right now have the pressure in a way to learn finance for them to support their older family members, and as they become parents themselves as millennial, to also support the youth. So they are a very critical demo that we want to super serve so we can via them super serve all Latinos in our country. Beatriz, um, when you said, you know, how you started everything during the pandemic, and you know, all these memories came back about the phone calls that you and Javier and I had. And I recall, like, yes, it was literally when the pandemic had just started. But I thought it might be important for the audience for you to say more about why the Latino segment, the youth, as you just mentioned, and maybe a little context around the key drivers in our economy as we think about Latinos. Well, as we know, and we just saw from the census numbers that came out, this is the demo that is driving population growth. Mm -hmm. We would have negative growth in our country without the Latino cohort. And you know, you need a thriving young demographic in any country to really drive GDP growth. And that is a key metric. So why we need to support Latinos is so America in general, not just Latinos, can continue to thrive. These kids who are U.S. born, these Latinos, are 19 years on average. That is incredible, right? When you think about everyone else who is in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, all other cohorts. So Latinos are very, very young, entering the workforce at the highest rate than anyone else, enrolled in college. So this is the cohort that we need to support because they are going to be responsible for carrying the economy forward for 
all Americans. This is a very important distinction to make. We need Latinos to do well so America can do well. So it is in our best interest to support their economic growth. And this is why, for me, obviously, I'm biased. I'm a very proud Latina, but I have the privilege of knowing what are the cultural things that move and that connect emotionally to my community and use that in the financial education and in the tools that we are providing them. So it's been an honor so far. It's only been 10 months to start building this company that by Q1 of this year, we had surpassed all of our growth metrics. And there's nothing incredible that I personally do, but it is because our community is so ready. They're so ready to learn more, to build their wealth, to start investing, to start learning, to start spreading the word within their families and their communities. And they just really needed somebody that says, listen, we are like you. We get you. This is a company built by people like you, for you, and that you can have this trust. Even though a lot of the demo that we super serve is born in the U.S., the post-traumatic syndrome of our parents and our grandparents and the psychological trauma financially that they went through in their countries of origin many generations ago continues to be prevalent. In every research, it's still there even with the younger generations. So brands do need to be very mindful that trust is key and is paramount on anything that they do, not just financial brands, but any kind of brand. I think there's going to be no growth for any brand into the future if you don't have Latinos on your side. So it is in our best interest to support them, to help them get educated on the things they haven't learned, like financial education, so we can all do better just as Americans in general. Such a great, great point. You know, Beatriz, you know that uh, we've been on a journey ourselves at J.P. Morgan Chase and that for several years now, we've been very focused on financial health and really, you know, helping people with what those key drivers are, you know, ensuring that they have savings, that we think about credit, that we absolutely understand our day-to-day payments, the ins and the outs. But, you know, to me, it's been like this constant drip that you have to make. And I thought, you know, some of the insights that you shared with me just around, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I thought you could expand on the sort of that intergenerational phenomenon that's happening in the Latino household and, you know, how you have to think about that financial education with one generation versus another generation and how you guys are bridging that. Yes, absolutely. Every generation has different goals and, you know, different perceptions of what wealth building means. From all the research that we have done, you see that some of the older generations that are more the immigrant parents or grandparents, you know, they have the mentality that, listen, there's a lot of distrust, obviously, from their countries of origin. So it's very important that we convey to them that this is a very different system that I do it with my own mother, who is college educated, and she still has a lot of distrust in financial institutions because of what happened one day in Mexico, where my parents lost all their wealth into a devaluation. But I try to explain to her, mom, it's very different here. You know, you have your money insured up to this amount. So there's a lot of new things and new systems in place that are different from our countries of origin. So on the older generations, we need to really tell them there's no more money under the mattress, no more money in the, you know, coffee tin box there where people hide their money. You can trust financial institutions. And that is a new learning that they need to have. But they don't have also the 
just the discipline of saving of or investing. They feel like, well, listen, I took care of my parents. So now it's my child's or my family's job to take care of me. And that is a problem when it comes to building generational wealth, because it's very hard to take care of yourself and then your older family members and your younger family. And then this vicious circle, obviously, we're incredibly grateful yeah. for all the opportunities and sacrifices our parents made. But it's very important that if you know you're responsible, you start planning now. So for the older generations, I think explaining the American ethos is critical mm -hmm. and from somebody they trust. But from the younger generations that we super serve here with SUMA, it's really empowering them to have the knowledge of how do you start saving if you are responsible for your parents, for them at an early age, for you, and hopefully your kids will be able to start in one generation building that generational wealth, right? Yeah. So it, it can stop with you being responsible for your finances, being able to have, like you were saying, a savings, an investment account, a retirement account in every Latino household would be transformational. And that is a big goal that we have at SUMA to really empower our community with so many tools and services that are already available to them, but to have the trust. And I think doing it through the youth, through the millennials, through the Gen Z's and the families and the communities is a really smart way to do it because they are the big influencers. And an ROI through one of them is never one-to-one. -one. It's always one-to-one. To many. So I think that's how we need to think about really scaling this information into our communities. I love that. I love that. And, you know, just for our audience, for perspective, you know, if you look at 2019 FDIC data for a white household, the average median net worth was 188,000. For a Latino household, that number was 36. Quite a big drop there. And, you know, when you peel back the onion and you say, what are the key drivers, right, of that net worth, as Beatriz is saying, that intergenerational wealth transfer, you know, rises to the top there. And I think, you know, this whole perspective about, hey, let's provide the knowledge so that we can break that cycle and the next generation can have uh, a different outlook is, is just great. Just knowing a little bit about your background, Beatriz, and knowing that you've had a very successful career in media, you know, co-founder of another great venture called Me Too. I was like very impressed with how you took these cultural experiences in a very witty way, you know, to be able to cover topics that maybe we try to make them seem very complex when they're not. How did that influence you with Sumo Wealth? It influenced me 100%. I mean, I really, you know, when talking to, to Javier Gutierrez, my co-founder, I kept telling him, I don't know that I'm the right CEO for this company. My background is not in finance. My background is in media and entertainment and in marketing. And he was like, that's exactly why you need to do it. You fully understand how to build brands at scale and how to build a community and how to make any topic fun. So we had a hypothesis of saying, okay, if we bring the fun and the pop culture aspect and the in-culture aspect to finance, will this work? Will this resonate? And so we started experimenting with a few posts and we saw that the engagement was off the charts. It was about a 10x of any other fintech brand at the moment and it continues to be and it was just really you know making sure that our community when they saw something or read a blog or whatever it was even used a tool it would scream at them it wasn't subtle it was very unapologetic this was made 
for you by people like you. That's how we wanted to really bring down that barrier and that anxiety of finance is not for me or it's too hard to understand, particularly for Latinas, because we did a lot of research before launching the company. And it was mostly Latinas saying, I'm incredibly overwhelmed with this information. And I, I want to learn more and I want to do more, but I'm just too overwhelmed. And so we thought, okay, well, if we do it in culture, will this work? If we explain a soft versus a hard credit inquiry with a taco, right? With a soft tortilla or a hard tortilla. And then we use all the analogies and we post it on a Taco Tuesday trending day. Will this work? And then when we saw that it was Latinos and even non-Latinos saying, oh my God, like this is exactly the explanation I've been waiting for. How do you make finance accessible and easy to understand and something that it's not for me? So everything that I did in my previous venture at Me Too, as far as what is pop culture, what will an image tell you, right? What will a, a sound, what will a color, what will something a saying from your abuelita, from your grandmother, that we can relate to finance, um, then I think we have something very, very different. And if you look at our posts and our feeds and our website, nothing really says we're a financial brand, although every single content that we have is vetted by financial experts and coaches and analysts. But we also use a lot of stand-up Latino comedians to work with these financial advisors to come up with this very fun and campy content. So we have the best of both worlds uh, with very traditional advisors, along with very young kids who are doing stand-up comedy in our community. And we have very intersectional group. We have Afro-Latinos, Gay-Tinos, Jew-Tinos, everything you can imagine from every nationality working on our content to be as inclusive as we can. You know, it, it's so interesting because as you said earlier, you know, money, especially in the Latino culture, tends to be a very taboo topic. And I've always said, you know, like, okay, this is not rocket science. But unfortunately, sometimes back to your point about trust, you know, we can come across as kind of stuffy bankers. And this is just such a creative way to touch people in a way that says, oh, what we say in my family, son los dichos que dice mi abuelita, right? So you will lead to those sayings that your grandmother is saying. So I think that's great. So what financial lesson, Beatriz, would you want the young Latinos out there to really learn? For young and for every generation, I think the most important message we want to convey is it's never too late to start or never too early to start as well, right? So no matter at what part of your financial journey, you could be a college student. We have a program that we're running now, Ardinero Bootcamp in the summer for kids who are going to college or just started college. How do you do a budget, learning about student debt, credit card debt, all the things that as they leave their home for the first time, they're going to be bombarded with and we want to equip them early on to learn. But we also want to teach somebody like my mom in her 80s about investing, which she is incredibly excited to learn about. So it's never too early to start if you're young and it's never too late to start if you're a bit older. That would be my message to everybody. 
there is always room to learn, to grow, to start building your wealth, no matter who you are or at what part of your financial journey you are. And we want to be that trusted voice, that trusted maybe family member that you didn't grow up with, you know, that tío, that tía. One of our advisors says we want to be the money madrinas, right? We want to be that trusted source. It's like, okay, I can trust somebody who is like me, has my best interest. Sometimes it's also challenged by understanding things. One of our favorite series that people really like is called Four. 401k, right? Like 401 what? Because there's a lot of people who feel very intimidated to really convey that they don't understand it. But when you see that there's thousands of people like you who also say, oh, wow, like I love this community because I didn't understand it and I'm here to learn. It's okay not to know, right? It's okay not to know is a message. It's okay wherever you are to get started and we are here to support you. That, that would be the, the main message that I want Latinos and that they belong in the money conversation and that there's no shame in building wealth. Because sometimes, as you know, Alice, I mean, for, for me, my dad was very much of a Robin Hood kind of guy, right? He had almost like a, he did not like people who were wealthy. He, he came from nothing. And unfortunately for him, he did very well in his career. So the way he solved for it was open up a foundation and put there all the money that he made. So that is a choice too, that you can make yeah. if, if you feel that you don't want to be wealthy or you don't want to build wealth for your family, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you are like my dad, there's always the option of give it back to the community. There is a lot of people in need. And if you have the means and you have the ability to build that wealth, there's a lot of good that that wealth could do that not necessarily needs to be for you for superfluous things like my dad yeah. used to call them. So, Beatrice, can you talk a little bit about the contents that are involved in Summa Wealth and what you really want the key takeaways to be for the audience? Our goal is to make financial education in general very accessible and very fun and actually pop culture in a way. So anything that is trending, uh, we utilize that topic and we think, okay, how could this be finance friendly, for example? So let's talk about credit card debt or crypto or investing or emergency savings accounts any topic that is financial heavy for maybe our youth and making it very, very accessible with a pop cultural trending topic. So that is a lot of the content that we put out. And I think that is key also into why our content is so engaging to our audience. But we also ask the question to ourselves, does this content fit comfortably with any other financial brand? If the answer is yes, then it's not for us. So we want to make sure that aside of being pop culture and relevant and fun and easy and accessible, it's also very loud and clear that it is culturally relevant, that there is something there that is unapologetically Latino or Latinx that our audience says, I was not an afterthought. This is not in the back burner where they thought of me second. You are always first. We always have our audience in mind first. And that is the type of content that really, really works for us and for our audience. No, I would venture to say that there are lots of parents out in the audience uh, with us today. Any tips that you would offer to these parents on how to talk to their children about money at any age? I think just start early and be very honest. I think we have to really change that narrative that we all grew up with where money was a taboo and we just never spoke about it in our families. 
I think, you know, for young children, you are a model. So what best way to start having those early conversations and get them involved, you know, get them involved even in family decisions of making a budget, of giving them a small allowance that they're responsible for picking things in the supermarket, comparing prices, values. There's so much fun that you can have doing activities with your own kids and having these conversations early on that we didn't get to do when we were growing up. Also, there's so many apps, so many companies now where kids are able to invest and start learning about companies that they love. I say to parents all the time, maybe consider one less gift during the holidays or one less gift during a child's birthday and maybe give them some stock or maybe give them the option to learn about companies that they love and where they wanna start investing. So just like my uh, advice that I give to older people, it's never too late. In this case, it's never too early to get your kids involved. And I think that's how we'll be able to really, really change the narrative. And we can do it in one generation if we really start with our youth. Now, you mentioned a financial checkup or checklist. And just wondering, you know, what are the elements of this checklist? And what do you hope to accomplish with it? Yes. So our financial checkup is really like when you go have your annual checkup for your health with your doctor, you know, after you get these blood results, where you stand, how is your cholesterol? How is your vitamin B? How are you doing in all these areas? And then how can you improve them if there's anything that is out of range, out of the norm? So in the same way and inspired by that, we are doing a free financial checkup at SUMA where we're able to look under the hood, but of your finances uh, instead of your blood and tell you where, where do you stand financially? Do you have enough of an emergency savings account? How many months could you live from it? What is your debt to income ratio? What is your net worth? But we explain along the way also what does that mean with these same in culture fun easy to understand videos where it should be where you are at and then we know at the end how we can help you improve every single day now giving you very personalized advice with our content with our curated articles anything that we have that is going to help you specifically. So if you are a single mom who is an entrepreneur who still has student debt, et cetera, then we know what profile you fit. And then we know how to curate very specifically the information, the resources, and the content to help you improve over time. And we're also able to help you track your progress. So we're always there to cheer you along the way and become that trusted family member throughout your financial journey to meet your goals. So it's just like a health checkup, but for your finances. Makes total sense. So what do you hope the impact of Suma Wealth will be on our communities? And what do you want your personal legacy to be? My personal goal would be that I get to see in my lifetime with Suma how we contributed to close the wealth gap in our community. And, and that we now with our, we're launching a financial checkup this month, actually, which is free for everyone. And we'll be able to help track how you are doing, where you started and how you are slowly building this wealth, paying off your debt, starting to invest, saving for your emergency savings fund, all these things. So I would love to see that growth in our community of feeling comfortable 
not just being the biggest spenders. I would love to change that data from the biggest spenders to the biggest savers and investors. And that I get to see before I die that, you know, we were an active part of changing that narrative and of helping to close that wealth gap. I would feel incredibly satisfied with that as part of of my legacy. I mean, on a personal level, of course, I want to be a good human. I want to inspire other generations. I want to open as many doors as I possibly can for other Latinos in my community. And I want to be a good mom, a good wife, a good daughter, sister, uh, a good human in my community. I, I aspire to be that as well, not just professionally. Thank you, Beatriz. I really appreciate you and everything that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much, Alice. It's always amazing to see you. And thank you for this opportunity. I thought that was such a compelling session, and I want to thank Beatrice for sharing her personal journey with us and being so candid about how to reach the critical Latina population. She has such a strong pulse on culture, and it's really amazing to see how she connects that with actionable financial advice. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Women on the Move podcast as we continue sharing content from our annual leadership conference. The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe so you won't miss any others. For J.P. Morgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. is a member of the FDIC.